Welcome back to The Drive. I'm Dale Lally here with Matt Williamson. We're pleased to be joined now as we are every Wednesday in season uh, by our friend and uh, colleague, Bob Labriola. How you doing, Bob? Pretty good, Dale. How are you? Are you there, Bob? Yeah, yeah I'm he's here. Uh, I'm not hearing him. Huh, okay. okay. Well, I'll take over for now. Hi, Labs. How are you? Hey, Matt. How are you? <laughs> There's some technical difficulty over here, but... Dale must have paid extra for those headsets that uh, don't uh, bring my voice across. <laughs> right. He, he probably does to me more than I realize, come to think of it. <laughs> so I got a question for you. You're a, a smidge older than I am, and as a very young lad here in Pittsburgh, I was taught by my family and everyone involved you know, that brought me up in this football world that it wasn't the Browns, the Bengals, the Oilers, that, or even the Cowboys that you hated most. It was the Raiders. I, I mean, what was that rivalry like? Um, it was, um, you know, right now I think uh, the hate is for the Ravens. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a love affair compared to what <laughs> it was with the Raiders yeah. uh, in the 70s. I mean, it was... Um, you know, there was the game where uh, the Steelers accused the Raiders of, you know, writing obscenities on the deflated footballs that they were giving them for offense. And, no, nobody uh, deflates footballs, Bob. <laughs> I can hear you now, by the way. <laughs> okay. And, uh, you know, greasing their jerseys and stuff. And then the Raiders came back and accused the Steelers of, you know, purposely allowing the tarp uh, on Three River Stadium to tear and rip so that the turf was frozen you know, for the AFC Championship game in 1975. You know, then there's the immaculate reception that, you know, Madden and Villapiano, they're still whining about that <laughs> now. What is it, almost 50 years later? So, Get um, over it. Yeah, that was, it, was, <laughs> it was real hate. And, uh, you know, in a lot of those games, you know, there was the um, criminal element game, um, yeah, there was a there was a lot of you know when you have a lot of games that have nicknames, the cri- criminal element game, um, uh, the uh, ice bowl, one of them anyway, the seventy five game uh, with the, the frozen turf. You know, you always know that it's a real rivalry when when the games between the teams have nicknames that, and when, that last for generations. Yeah, and when uh, you know your head coach is getting called in for because he's being sued as, as part of a, or part yeah, of a lawsuit. Uh, There's things like that, little things. Little things. Little things, right. <laughs> <laughs> but the Raiders were, in your opinion, I mean, just if, if you could be slightly impartial, were they the second best team of the 70s? Um. Yeah, I mean, I would say the the Raiders over the the Cowboys. Okay. Um, the Hall of Fame would seem to agree. I think they're like twelve Raiders from the I'm sure, from yeah. the seventies in the Hall of Fame, and they what they win one Super Bowl, two, one in the seventies. Uh, in the seventies, yeah. one. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, there were um, there were you know, the, the, those those seasons, and really. You know, the 72 season was the Steelers' coming out party. You know, Chuck Moll had taken over in 1969, and they went 1-13 and started building. Um, And they were below 500 in 69, 70, and 71. 72, when the season was getting ready to open, I mean, there was a lot of belief slash hope, you know, that the Steelers were going to break through. And uh, their uh, regular season opener. Was against Oakland. the Raiders, yeah, and they smoked them. Yeah, and they beat they beat Oakland, um, and that 
uh, was pointed to um, by Dan Rooney as a as a game that you know at the time was significant more than just one win in a regular season game, but it was significant for a young franchise, or not a young franchise, but a young group of players and coaches who were, you know, maybe needed to be convinced a little bit that they were as good as everybody else. Hmm. And uh, that game, he always cited, Dan Rooney always cited that game that year and the game against the Minnesota Vikings that year. The Steelers also won that as two games that, uh, victories that really kind of convinced a lot of the the players uh, that they were good enough, and it certainly did a lot uh, of convincing in terms of, of fans in the in the city. Do you see any correlation there, Bob, with what happened in Buffalo last week? Young football team. Yes, Ben Roth- Roethlisberger. Yes, Cam Hayward and some others know what it takes to win in the NFL. But a lot of those guys, particularly on offense, who were, who were playing in their first game or playing in their first game in the NFL with fans, maybe didn't know, hey, this is, this is why we do all the stuff that they have us do. Uh, this is why, we're, they are, hey, you've got to pay attention to these details. You go into to Buffalo and you beat a very good Bills team, and it, and it can be something of a springboard maybe for something else. Well, you know, in, in some ways, um, I, I could agree with you, but you know, in others, um, I certainly wouldn't want to compare, uh, you know, where the the 2021 Steelers are with where the 1972 Steelers. No, were. neither nor am um, I. But yeah, because there was there's there was no history then. Yeah, you know, I mean, right. that, now you know, the, the, there was no thing on the on the wall underneath uh, outside of the locker room. The standard is the standard because then the standard there was no was, standard. Yeah, well, the standard was. <laughs> Uh, you know, play good for a while, beat up the opponent, and then lose. Uh, that was the standard. Yeah, they hadn't been so, in the playoffs since 1947 before that uh, 72 season. And walk by a bunch of trophies on the way to the meeting room either. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> but uh, I, I don't want to. You know, it's one game. Uh, they beat Buffalo. I, I think it's a a significant win. Uh, it certainly, you know, kind of gets things off on the right foot this season. Um, but you know, they could lose to Oakland, or excuse yeah. me, excuse me, they could lose to Las Vegas Sunday uh, because the Raiders aren't are not a bad team this year. I mean, this isn't one of those um, oh the Steelers were looking ahead, looking past the Raiders for that you know big game against the Bengals the next <laughs> week. Um, but uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, I just I don't want I don't want to go too far either way with what happened against the Bills positively or negatively had they lost. I, I just think it's positive reinforcement for everything that like Mike Tomlin has been preaching to these young players, that Ben Roethlisberger has been preaching, especially to the guys on his side of the ball, uh, the, you know, the offensive players. Hey, we had a crappy first half. I mean, you can't play a worse first half potentially than what the, what the Steelers do. Obviously you can if you turn the ball over a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. But 54 yards of, of offense in the first half of that game – and yet you come out then and, and you, you start moving the football in the second half. I think it kind of – it can be something that drives some points home. Like, hey, this is why – as I asked Roethlisberger about it today, he says, yeah, we you know, that's why we were practicing the silent count two weeks out from that game because it was going to be so important. Yeah. Well, now those guys see why it was important if you hadn't been in that kind of situation before. And the defense knows it's good already. Right. I mean, that's sure. where all the veterans yeah. are. 
Yeah. Well, and, and the other thing, Dale, just to piggyback on what you were saying, I mean, that also shows the value uh, of Ben Roethlisberger. Absolutely. I mean, you know, pro football focus and all those geniuses, <laughs> I mean, they've been having lots of fun um, with the, the Steelers' performance since they beat Buffalo. But, you know, what's not, what's not uh, considered, you know, by the uh, analytics people, you know, and all those other nerds, uh, is that, you know, that kind of um, steadying presence, you know, that Roethlisberger can bring to a young group. Like, I'm sure that there were times that um, some, of, some of those young players, particularly maybe some of those young offensive linemen who were in their first game or, you know, first game in the position that they were in, um, looked at him, you know, because I, I've heard uh, Craig Wolfley talk about being in the huddle you know, with a quarterback uh, on third down as he was trying to call the play, he was stuttering. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, <laughs> you know, these are professionals. I mean, they look at that and, you know, the, the judgments are made quickly, I would imagine, by those people of their peers in those kinds of situations. And, you know, I, I don't think Roethlisberger uh, exuded anything but confidence and calm to them. And, you know, as, as I remember... Um, Hal Hunter, uh, uh, an old-time offensive line coach for the Steelers, once talking about um, the offensive line. And he said, you know, when you have Mike Webster uh, in the huddle with you, it's like walking down a dark alley carrying a big stick. (laughs) Um, There's there's a level of confidence that that gives you that, you know, we can be okay you know, you look, you keep looking over and seeing him next to you, and you think, okay, we can do this. Um, and I think that that's what Roethlisberger can bring to this team. I think that's what he brought to them, uh, certainly in the second half of that game against the Bills. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, I, I do think that's Ben's the, – the thing that he brings that nobody can quantify. You know, I mean, you mentioned it too. I mean, all the analytics folks and all those things. But just look into your right or your left and be like – this guy's not sweating it one bit, and I'm in my first game, and you know, and that offense was littered with you know young dudes. Uh, I think that has immense value here, and he doesn't have to be a, a superstar. He doesn't have to be Ben in his prime for this to be a very competitive football team. Right, and you know, Dale mentioned you know some of the awful uh, statistics, uh, offensive statistics from the first half. Um, you know, they were one for six on third down, um, and. You know, there were some third downs in that second half, third and longs, where, you know, you hit Claypool on a long one, you hit Juju on a long one. Um, so, you know, he gives you – you have a chance. I mean, you just do mm-hmm. uh, it, it, with him. And, um, again, as I said, I don't, I don't think that you can really discount the value of that, particularly in the situation in which he delivered it on Sunday. Uh, hostile environment – uh, a team that a lot of people were picking to represent the AFC uh, in the Super Bowl, or and at least um, you know a favorite to to be a, a playoff team easily this year, and they're with a quarterback who was getting some buzz a little bit in MVP conversation, um, particularly by media who were you know looking to make a splash with a off the wall pick. I think because you know when when you're talking about Mahomes and Brady and some of those other people. I don't think Buffalo's Josh Allen uh, is a sexy enough pick unless 
Um, you know, the bills are really spectacular. Um, but you, you get what I'm saying. I mean, it was it was definitely an upset. I don't know if there was a more significant upset in the league week one. Well, it was the biggest uh, the, biggest point spread uh, where the dog won. And, mm-hmm. and I believe nine of the seven underdogs either covered or won outright on Sunday. It was it was a, a topsy-turvy weekend, but the Steelers yeah, beat the biggest spread of any of the teams in the league in week one. Hmm. Yeah, and, and to me, too, I, I'm not a better, and I, don't, I, I wouldn't even know with that, um, you know, uh, factoid that you just threw out there. But what I meant, though, was, um, you know, you look at a team that collapsed down the stretch the previous year, lost a bunch of people in the off season, had to rebuild their offensive line, uh, all of those kinds of things. And then you're going to a place where, um, you know, hornet's nest, murder hornet's nest probably, <laughs> uh, especially since there hadn't been fans last year. And, I mean, those people in Buffalo, you know, I would compare them uh, to 70s Steelers fans before, you know, the Super Bowl became a, a part of their – the regular Steelers schedule, um, they're hungry. I mean, they want they want some success, and so um, you know, I, I just uh, believe that it was going to be an unbelievable atmosphere there, and um, you know, to go in there and win with those that group that the Steelers took in took into that place, uh, I really think was a heck of an accomplishment. Yeah, I agree with you, Bob. Um... It was. Uh, we haven't even talked about the defense in that game. Uh, is is it possible that Cam Hayward is underrated? Oh, I, I don't think there's any question about it. Um, you know, uh, you know, it, you know, and here's one of the things. You know, I was kicking around with uh, Mike Pursuta on this week's Agree to Disagree. Um, you know, Cam Hayward, when it when it's all said and done, I firmly believe that he's going to be remembered as one of the great defensive linemen in franchise history. And that's not an easy club to get into for this particular franchise. Um, And I will tell you this, that he is already in pretty elite company in my mind, because in franchise history, there are only two interior defensive linemen ever to be voted first-team AP All-Pro more than once. Uh, One of them, I'm sure comes immediately to your mind. Out. Yeah. And uh, the other one is the guy we're talking about now. So, um, you know, as I said, th- there's, there's a lot of uh, really, really good defensive linemen who have played for the Pittsburgh Steelers since Chuck Noll was hired in 1969 and even before that. You know, there's that guy that they retired his jersey, number 70, Ernie Stautner. Um, he's in that group as well. So uh, for Cam Hayward to be you know, in a club that the only other member besides him is Joe Green, um, you know, it doesn't take long to call call the roll. And so, uh, yeah, I think that he is in a lot of ways underrated. Um, and, you know, uh, the way he played on Sunday, I, I just I don't know how much, uh, how people can underrate him very, very, very much longer. And Labs, along those lines, I mean, an absolute key to that game was the Steelers' pass rush and taking it a step further, the ability to greatly affect the game without bringing a fifth or sixth pass rusher. I know this team has led the league in sacks for, you know, several years in a row. I think this pass rush might be the best of them all. 
Um, well, I'll tell you what, Matt, if um, they're going to be able to get that kind of pressure, uh, and, and Josh Allen is a tricky quarterback mm-hmm. to, to sack, too, because he's very mobile and very strong. And, you know, if you get caught out of your lane or you get sloppy when you get close to him and think you're going to bring him down by, you know, grabbing his jersey or something, it can turn out to be a big play for, for the other team. But for the, for the Steelers to accomplish what they did in terms of pressuring him with four guys as often as they did, um, you know, if they can continue that, um, this out. defense is is going to be, I don't know, better than I had any hope of it realistically being. Um, you know, it could be the kind of defense that I don't know that it's to the level of the 74 Steelers or the um, 2000 Ravens where that's why they won a trophy. But uh, I'm not going to discount it either. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's let's see how things um, unfold here a little bit because what I do believe is the secondary is better than last year. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that Sutton um, is better than Nelson. Uh, I think that Trey Norwood and what they're able to do with him and how that uh, frees up Minka is better than Mike Hilton and the things that he was able to do and bring. Um, you know, James Pierre, I think, is, is, a, is a decent player, and he, he's got a lot of room to improve. I think they have depth. Um, so, uh, again, if they can continue to pressure and, and be uh, productive with their pressure with just four people, um, that secondary is going to be uh, a very, very difficult puzzle to solve because I don't think that it's going to be one of those situations where everybody's going to be in the same spot one week to the next. Uh, I just don't think that. I think that Mike Tomlin has spent a good bit of time um, trying to accumulate enough versatile kind of players that, um, and they're all old enough now, I think, in terms of experience, uh, I think that he can really go in and, um, you know, come up with some stuff that guys don't see week to week, and they're they're going to need some time to figure it out. And if those front four pass rushers, whoever they happen to be, they're not going to give you a whole lot of time to figure it out. Uh, I remember Dick Hoke telling me one time that, you know, in the 74, 75 season, even before that 72, he said, you know, they would watch film as a coaching staff of the defense, and he said there would be receivers running running clean off the line of scrimmage, but it was one Mississippi, two Mississippi, and then you're on your back. And so a lot of that stuff doesn't even count, if you know what I mean, uh, either blown coverages or guys getting beat or whatever because um, the quarterback was getting punished, and he was getting punished by four guys. And a defense that can do that consistently um, is – in this National Football League, the way the game is played now, um, I, I think that might be one of the best weapons a team can have. Yeah, me, all I, that adds up to more turnovers. Absolutely, I, yeah. I agree. Right. I, I think that to drive your point home here, Bob, before we got to go, they acquire Akilah Witherspoon last week, and when he was put on the inactive list on Sunday, I had people tweeting at me going, I can't believe Witherspoon's not active. I'm like, this should tell you how good they feel about their guys in their secondary Mm -hmm. because there have been other instances where they've acquired a cornerback 
right before the season started. Joe Hayden, if you go back uh, to in 2015, uh, it, it was uh, um, why can't I think of his name now? Plays Cockrell, with the Buccaneers. Maybe. Yeah, Ross yeah. Cockrell. Okay. That they played that week because they, they need to. because they had to. Right, right. They didn't need Akella Witherspoon to play, and they were playing the Bills. Mm-hmm. You know, they Minka. Felt, yeah, Minka is the same way. They felt comfortable enough to go into this without a guy that they gave up draft capital for, uh, who I think they obviously feel pretty good about. They didn't feel they needed to play him because they felt good enough about the other guys. And like I said, the Bills they had four receivers on the field and off all the time. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I mean you can look at uh, to me that was. Uh, what was so revealing, so revealing, was Stephon Diggs last December, last Sunday. Yeah. I mean, the guy caught some passes, but, I mean, he averaged uh, 7.7 yards a catch. I mean, that's that's nothing for a guy like him. Uh, and last year, uh, he had close to 100 yards receiving in the second half. He had all of so, uh, all 130 of his yards receiving were in the second half. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, Dale. Just to you know, reinforce your point. I mean, this this is a good this is a good defense, a good group, and um, you know the Akella Witherspoon trade. I think that's one um, for depth. If one of their out something would happen to an outside cornerback in terms of injury that would you know let's say four to six weeks, um, they can put him out there to start um, and and feel. I won't say comfortable, but at least somewhat confident because he has a track record in the league as a starting outside corner for a couple of decent teams. Um, and that's the other thing that I think is a positive uh, about this roster is um, they, they kind of have some backstops at, at some different positions. Outside linebacker is an example. Those three guys, I mean, Melvin Ingram. I mean, do, 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 we, remit, do we need to go back to free agency when it was whining and complaining that the Steelers didn't sign Justin Houston and sign this guy. I mean, really, is anybody... I, I really wish some of these people who would take these stances um, would show themselves, pick their head up out of the hole that they're in now, and revisit their opinions that um, you know were etched in, etched in stone at the time. Because, I mean, you know, this guy is... He is tremendous. Yeah, he's, and, he's, and he's, we're he's not even really talking good. about Alex Highsmith. Yeah, and absolutely. oh, by the way, Stefan Tuitt's coming back someday. Yeah, so at some point, <laughs> Stefan Tuitt will come back. But uh, Bob, we got to let you go here. We're up against the hour, but as usual, we always appreciate your insight and uh, uh, a lot of your historical knowledge. Uh, but uh, we'll t- I'll see you over at the facility here. I'm sure over the next couple of days. If not, I'll see you Sunday. Okay, fellas, take care. Talk to you next week. All right, we'll see you. That was Bob Labriola, editor of Steelers Digest and Steelers.com. He is Matt Williamson. I'm Dale Lally. You're listening to The Drive here on Steelers Nation Radio. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, it's time for the Fantasy Football Focus. It's Wednesday. We'll take you around the league, all the injuries and news and notes, right after this. On the arm of Perry Bradshaw. From Bradshaw and the Steel Curtain. Ben Roethlisberger putting on the show. To Roethlisberger and Blitzburg. You're listening to SNR.